this entire chart that you're looking at right now takes uh, the opening price of silver um, and, and then cuts it off when New York starts trading. And then it, it begins when New York closes and it doesn't shut off that data until New York opens again. And so you can see that basically everything kind of jived in this market up until around the GFC in 2008. And then really during the COVID crisis in 2020, it just ran up a wall. And so what you're looking at now is a situation where the Eastern world is taking advantage, you know, like countries like India have been buying huge amounts of silver at record clips at a, at a discounted price, essentially. I mean, you have the COMEX that's been suppressing it in terms of uh, last few years, but this isn't going to continue to go along. I mean, you, you're draining the amount of physical that's supposed to be in London, that's supposed to be in COMEX, and that's been draining at record clips. Hey guys, Sean from SGT Report here. That was my buddy James Anderson from SD Bullion. And friends, let's kick off 2023 with a refocus on silver in physical form, which I maintain is one of the most, if not the most undervalued tangible asset on earth. And I think James and I do a pretty good job quantifying that for you with facts. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. Gold prices could surge to $4,000 an ounce in 2023, and Noble Gold Investments has the details. As recession fears persist, Jorg Keener, Chief Investment Officer of Swiss Asia Capital, said that many economies could face a bit of a recession in the first quarter, which would lead to many central banks slowing their pace of interest rate hikes, making gold instantly more attractive. If 2022 taught us anything at all, it's that tangible assets are the only assets you can count on like gold. Now, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results, so do your own due diligence. Thousands of people have started to make a move towards securing their retirement. Join them by opening a gold IRA or silver IRA with Noble Gold Investments. If you get in before the end of this month, you'll get an incredible free quarter ounce American Gold Eagle coin with every qualified IRA of $50,000. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey friends, welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Sean from SGT Report here with a gargantuan silver update. I haven't done one of these in a while, guys, but it's time. Let's kick off 2023 with our friend James Anderson from SD Bullion, which is now the third biggest bullion dealer in the United States. What you see before you here, guys, is a pallet of great big bars. What are those, James? Are those a thousand ounces? Yeah, those are thousand ounce bars. That's correct. And that's a photograph from the new SD Bullion state-of-the-art pick-and-pack facility. Do I have that right? Are you guys now the third largest bullion distributor or seller of bullion in the United States? Yeah, in terms of retail bullion sales in the domestic United States, I'd say we're number three right now. And it's difficult sometimes to ascertain, but we have a lot of different ways to ascertain that data. And we're pretty confident that's the number. That's amazing. I've known you guys for a long time here. Uh, have you been following what's going on here in the States? I know you're not in the States currently, but uh, it's absolute insanity. United Nations Agenda 2030, the World Economic Forum, Joe Biden's on board with all of it. And I don't know if you've heard the latest, these lunatics, James, well, they're talking about banning gasoline stoves. You can't make this up. And CNN, well, they're on board with it too. Listen to this. Gas stoves could soon get 86th from kitchens across the country going forward. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commissioner is considering a ban on the appliances for new builds. Uh, it says those appliances can be a source of indoor pollution, sometimes linked to childhood asthma. So there's a study out last month which found indoor gas stove use and the pollutants that come with it are tied to an increased risk of asthma in children. CNN chief climate correspondent Bill Ware is here. So uh, people are up in arms over this. Yeah, do you think? All right. So evidently, guys, it's just for new construction. But you know the slippery slope here. If they can get away with that, they'll probably come for your beloved wolf oven, your wolf stove, God forbid you have access to clean, burning natural gas to heat your food. James, this is just UN Agenda 2030 stuff. And frankly, if they did this, if they actually tried to ban gasoline-powered stoves, if that doesn't cause a revolution, nothing will. Yeah, I mean, natural gas is one of the cheaper, uh, I mean, in terms of you know, giving off pollution and stuff, it's one of the cleanest burning energies there is. So, And, uh, you know, here in, in uh, where I'm living, uh, it's subsidized by the government because, uh, you know, poor people need to eat too. And so, um, 
you know, gas, <laughs> propane gas for cooking is an essential thing that everybody needs, not just simply really wealthy people. But I also saw some pretty funny photos of uh, Mrs. Biden with her gasoline, her gas stove. So, uh, you know, it's it's just another one of those divide and conquer, you know, uh, distract uh, story headlines that gets out there that gets everybody up in arms and hopefully nothing comes of it. Well, we're going to need to fight back. And I guess if you can't fight back because your state is governed by lunatics, as is the case in New York and California, you got to vote with your feet and get out. I mean, again, this is United Nations Agenda 2030 madness. And in New York state, evidently, they have banned gasoline stoves in all new construction. And in California, James, get this, by 2030, they want to ban all gas stoves. So the lunatics are running the asylum in this country, at least in California and in New York. Yeah, I was glad to leave California when I left. I got out just in time. Um, you know, it's a pretty state, but uh, the people running it are pretty dysfunctional. And, you know, the streets, as they were looking at the time, were looking horrible. And I'm sure it's only progressed with the videos I've seen lately. I mean, it looks like a dystopia. So, uh, yeah, moving with your feet makes a lot of sense. Living in places where you're, you know, you know you're basically your principles are online with the with the people who are in charge it makes a lot more sense. And so, you know, that's why states like Texas and Florida have been gaining in population and other states have been draining. Guys, we're going to do some screen shares here and I'm going to share some charts pulled from James latest report. We want this thing drained, James. And uh, what do you make of this chart? Help us understand this. My understanding is that record COMEX silver withdrawals happened. Physical bullion being pulled from the COMEX in 2022. What is the significance of this chart? Yeah, so this chart is the last 20 years. Each line represents a, a year. Uh, the red line um, being, I believe, last year. Uh, and the yellow line being the lowest of all time was 2004. What this is doing is starting in the year, uh, January 1st, and moving on to the end of the year, you add up all the amount of ounces that have either come or gone into the COMEX for the year. And last year was the second largest withdrawal of total COMEX silver that's backing that fractionally reserved derivative price discovery um, exchange. And so 15, negative 15.4% is a lot, especially when you look at how much COMEX silver was in uh, how much silver was involved in terms of notional ounces. It was, uh, I believe, 330 million or so, uh, roughly total to start the year. So, and I'm just digging that from my head. Maybe it's, maybe it's even more than that. But, um, you know, you had a huge outflow of silver come out of COMEX uh, last year. And it's not just simply in the, uh, you know, the registered. Um, it was also in the unregistered ounces as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a good sign. The last time that happened in, in this this size was in 2004, and the following year, 2005, the silver price, the spot price, ran up 20 or 38 percent. So, if we have a run like that, plus 38 percent, that'd be a good start, running toward 50 eventually. We're going to go back to the photo I started the interview with here. So, these are thousand ounce bars. Sometimes when we talk about the COMEX and we consider these runs on the COMEX and the draining of the COMEX, we don't get to see any of the warehouse stores of silver at the COMEX, but this is what it would look like, right? Thousand ounce yeah. bars. So it's very real. And you guys have them over there at SD Bullion. Maybe you're responsible for helping us drain the COMEX. Literally SD Bullion is helping drain the COMEX. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's customers who are wanting to buy thousand ounce bars. There's even people in the industry who are buying thousand ounce bars and cutting them, uh, you know, into smaller bars so they can sell them on a smaller retail level. So yeah, that, that is uh, part of the ongoing draining that's happening here in comics and i think most comics holders who keep their holdings within the system uh you know i think they look at silver right now and they're thinking i'm not giving up my silver at spot price 24 i'm going to be holding on to that for a lot longer thank you and so a lot of it has gone into the unregistered pile whereas the registered pile is the stuff that's still kind of up for delivery and i think that shrunk to 33 million ounces this past week so it's slowly but surely going down last year was a precipitous decline in terms of the amount of silver that came out of the registered uh, portion of the COMEX. So my expectation is that trend's going to continue until you have spot price climbing. And then perhaps there'll be more ounces that come into register that are willing to give it up at those spot prices. Let's talk about the COMEX versus the LBMA. Is the LBMA for all practical purposes at this point just dead? I mean, are, is the run already happened at the LBMA? And so the COMEX is really the last game in town for the rigging? Yeah. 
Yeah, in terms of London this year, I mean, the amount of silver that came out of the London system, and the London system is basically a whole bunch of ETFs, unsecured silver ETFs that keep their silver in the London uh, warehouses. And then you also have a decent amount of silver that was there that was willing to be traded with the with the right premium and the right spot prices. And the amount of premium and spot price uh, that was being paid for silver in India was uh, it was record setting. I mean, it, and they weren't having them ship it on cargo boats. They're having them fly it through uh, air cargo. Uh, that's how much they needed the silver. And so, I mean, India last year alone, I think the amount of silver that they that they that they imported alone was 300 million ounces. I mean, that's a third of all new line silver and recycled silver that came into the market just going to India alone. So. It, you know, London, I think December told India no more. And, and when, when, when you look at, I, I look at the data month in, month out, and there had been a flow, a steady flow all year going to India, massive chunks. And then December, there was literally no silver that went to India uh, that month. So my hunch is London said uh, no mas in terms of last year. And we'll see how this year starts or goes. But, you know, my expectation is India will continue to demand high amounts of silver. And, and you know, you have people over there who are getting wealthier and gold is becoming a lot more expensive for those folks. And so what inevitably happens is people start buying silver over gold because they just see it as being a better value. They get way more for their for their fiat rupees. And so my expectation is the trend's going to continue. The only question is where are they going to be getting the silver if London doesn't have any to sell them? Yeah. Let's take a look at that COMEX graphic again, put together by Mike Say 98 on Twitter. January 6th, 2023. Help us understand this, because when I look at this, I just think of accounting games, right? eligible mm -hmm. versus registered and help us understand this because it's i follow this stuff and i don't even get it registered versus eligible versus vault totals so registered is really the amount that's out there that's being traded for and accounted for and that's potentially deliverable uh so you have 34 million ounces 34.3 million ounces at the time eligible is the amount of silver that sits within warehouses that's not up for delivery at all uh, those owners of those ounces may consider giving it up for uh, delivery if the spot price matches what they think is wor warrants it. Uh, a lot, a huge swath of that eligible pile, by the way, is is the uh, ETF um, ETF SLV. Yeah, and that's you know again, it's it's one of those ETFs that shareholders buy and they own absolutely nothing underneath it except for price risk. Uh, the actual silver that underlies it is really to kind of smooth over. The places where the price of silver, uh, you know, gets so high that where they, they they can arbitrage it and make profits out of it. So a lot of that silver ran off to India this past year as well. So yeah, all total, you have 300 million ounces, and it sounds like a huge amount, but in the grand scheme of finance, 300 million ounces of silver is not that much. You know, you're talking you're talking about a handful of billion bucks in terms of silver underlying the entire silver price discovery mechanism, and it really dominates the spot price in the in the world in general and so comics is mainly where the, the the price of silvers move day to day and uh you know the 34 million ounces in the grand scheme of things it's not not a whole lot it's it's a spec in terms of the, the global financial world and if you have enough hot money of institutions and momentum traders start coming into the comics and, and look i think a lot of people think that the comics is only there to rig the price lower and, and all that stuff and buy the system time. And yeah, that's been the case for a long time, but there's also times in history where uh, you all of a sudden get a pack of long traders and they start really winning in terms of betting long, uh, either silver or gold. I mean, it happened in the late seventies for a bunch of years. It happened after the, the U S civil war, after the, um, after the uh, greenback uh, exchange, basically you had gold eightfold go from $20 and 67 cents up to like, I think it peaked at like $150, $160 an ounce. And that was all supposed to be a conspiracy on the long side. And uh, it was supposed to involve the vice president and his brother-in-law and a whole bunch of stuff. And they had huge congressional hearings about it. So I know it's been kind of terrible in terms of the amount of manipulation, the amount of price rigging, the amount of artificial price discovery that we've seen in the last decades in terms of silver and gold. But at some point that, that comes back and reverts and goes the other way and it goes violently the other way. And I, I'm fully expecting that's going to happen this sometime, probably sometime this decade uh, in the next few years, even. Let's go back to that chart. And I have a, a question to ask you. So 34 million ounces of registered silver, supposedly ready for delivery. So if the bars I showed on that pallet are 1000 ounces each, it takes 1000 bars like that to equal a million ounces so somewhere 
they say, exist 34,000 1,000-ounce bars. Where would they store that? Do you believe that really exists? Is that in some great Comex vault in Chicago or New York? Or where is all this silver? So uh, the, the largest portion of Comex silver is supposed to be held on the East Coast of the United States. So anywhere from Delaware to New York, typically, are the main warehouses. And then as well, a good swath of it is held now in London. It used to not be the case. But I think once the COVID shortage happened in 2020, in March of 2020, there was a huge um, conspiracy, essentially. And it was open and obvious that the LVMA and the Comex, they basically started conspiring for a couple of reasons. They needed to get the amount of ounces that were supposedly held underneath the Comex to get larger. And especially on the gold side, they needed the gold side to look flush and, and, and full of gold. And so they made this 400 ounce gold contract that if you go on their website right now, I, sw- I swear it's probably going to be the same case. For the last few years, there's been no one trading it, zero volume. And so they just invented this thing so they could double count the metal that was held in London in order to show people on graphs that, yeah, the comics is flush with gold. It's no problem. And so what you have here is like a whole bunch of hedge funds will look at the comics gold pile and they'll say, oh, this is historically one of the largest amounts of gold that's been sitting underneath the uh, fractional pile. So it's everything's got to be good. And, and yeah. And if you looked at the chart, you might think that, but you don't understand how it got there in the first place. It got there through collusion and a fake 400 ounce 4GC contract, which, like I said, it was invented simply to give off the illusion that things are fine. But under the system, it's not. And when you have a system where deliveries are consistently happening at, at larger and larger amount per month, month in on month out, I mean, it, the only other place in the world that has more physical delivery is the Shanghai Gold Exchange. I mean, the COMEX has a lot of delivery happening. What's really happening is that you know, a huge amount of physical is getting delivered, but then there's also a huge amount of people that are getting paid premiums in terms of fiat uh, delivery. And, and essentially, if you come and you ask for a huge amount of delivery and they don't have it, they'll just pay you a huge premium in fiat cash and uh, not getting you the physical. And that's, I think, what's happening here. Yeah. All right. Well, as Wall Street, Silver and others get involved in this story, people really from all walks of life in our nation are buying this stuff hand over fist because we know that silver in physical form is perhaps the most undervalued tangible asset on planet earth. At least that's my view. Tell us the significance of this cup and handle. So this chart is a silver spot uh, annual price chart. So each candle that you see is, you know, one year essentially. And this goes all the way back to 1970 till now in 2022. And what you see here is, um, it's basically the technical form of this is a cup and a handle. You can see the shape of this. I mean, the, 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 the top left is 1980 when silver ran up to 50, which is still the nominal record high price for silver. There's virtually no other thing in the world that's worth half of its price from 1980. Uh, but that's the case for silver. And that's, I think, what, you know, that, that basically is a big reason why, uh, Sean, what you just said, silver being, you know, wholly undervalued is the case. I mean, I, in the fact that silver's at 24 and we've created so much currency in the last four decades in a few years uh, just goes to show you the price discovery uh, has been completely perverted and it's completely irrational. So uh, at some point, the comeuppance is going to come. And like I said, the violent reaction to the upside should should occur because you've suppressed it for decades coming. So that chart that you showed, it basically says silver's going back to 50. And when it does get through 50, it's going to be off to the races. And, you know, triple digit silver is really to me is inevitability. The only question is by when. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We've been saying this for more than a decade, though. We'll recall that back in 2011, the silver to gold ratio went to 33 to one. I wonder if we'll see that again soon. I mean, I think it should be, you know, two to one. But yeah, when I look at the long term gold silver ratio, I mean, the, a lot of long term charts, I look at 2011 as being the target uh, that that essentially is is coming. So gold silver ratio at 33 is inevitable. And I think it will go beyond that because this is going to be a lot stronger than 2011 when it's all said and done. Um, you're going to have a situation where the potential for gold and silver ratio going back into the teens is very high. And I mean, you never know how nutty this could get. It could go back to single digits uh, because you could, you could be in a situation where you're in a, a global currency, you know, shake of confidence in, in the store of values. I mean, the fiat currencies around the world are all devaluing and devolving. And so you could have a situation where everybody's running to buy gold and silver and the powers that be are fine with it for a little while so they can write off all the bad debt that they've written. I mean, we have record debts in the world and they continue to pile on and, and ultimately governments want to write all that off. And the best way to do that would be a controlled hyperinflation scenario. 
Yeah, I know. And it scares me because most folks are woefully unprepared. In fact, the economy is so challenging right now in the United States for many that credit card debt just hit a new high. People are living off their credit cards. And one of the reasons for that is this inflation. You know, I was just at Cub Foods the other day with my son who's on the spectrum and they had a sign, James, on the refrigerator about egg prices and they were apologizing to their customers because 12 eggs, a dozen eggs was $5.79. You know, a year and a half ago, they were a buck, buck and a half. Airfare up 36%, margarine up 34%. I mean, bread up 15%. I mean, this is absolutely unsustainable. Do you think the Fed is going to be able to tamp this down by just raising rates indefinitely forever? They're just going to kill the economy by raising rates? Because that's what they're trying to do. Kill the economy, right? Slow the economy to tame inflation. It's diabolical. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you have a situation where when you look at the way that they operate, I mean, basically what they're doing is you have to lose your job so we can tame inflation, essentially. I mean, that's that's right. more or less what the policy is. And it's very disgusting. And like, I think when we look back future generations, a few hundred years from now, we're going to look back at this and think, you know, we were arcane in the way that we treated one another and the way that we operated. I mean, the capital class is so wealthy and they're so greedy and they're, they're so delusional in the sense that they think they, they, they can continue to do this with no repercussions. And, and, you know, the repercussions are, are happening right now with the culture war and the fact that, you know, right and left can't get along, you know, for a minute together. I mean, it's 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 ugly what's happening in terms of uh, the populace in the country. But at some point, it's going to come back on the powers that be, the ones that allow this kind of nonsense in terms of policy. Uh, it's going to come back in the form of, you know, they're going to have to live behind, you know, iron gates and drive around in bulletproof cars. And it's going to become Brazil, United States, essentially. And then you know, you don't want to see that. I mean, that's not what the founders wanted. That's not what any citizen in the U.S. should ever want. But I think what you have right now is a confluence of a lot of really rich and greedy people who are uh, trying to grab as much as they possibly can in terms of power and money. And and that's been the case for the last few decades. And basically, it's gone off the rails since the 2008 financial crisis and 2020 pushed it up to another level. And then it seems that, that that's what's happening. And, and the people who are behind the, the 2030 agenda, as you're talking about, I mean, they they seem to be going for the, you know, going for the gusto and we'll see if they get what they want. But yeah. uh, it's important that people understand that that's what they're up against. They're up against um, true evil. Yeah, 100 percent. And uh, they're going for broke. They've gone mm-hmm. all in. They're not yeah. even hiding what they're doing anymore. They're just overtly evil. And mm-hmm. everyone at least those paying attention can see it. So I guess my question for you here is uh, they kill the economy and they want to roll out universal basic income to just keep the slaves at bay. Global central banks have been hoarding gold, stacking gold. Mm-hmm. Why is that if they think their central bank digital currencies are going to work? Like if that's the new thing and it's going to work, why do they care about hoarding physical gold? Well, ultimately, central banks admit the fact they own gold is in case of emergency, in case of absolute confidence crisis, they have gold to reset their systems. And I think what you have here now, I mean, this past year, it's been admitted this last Q4 2022 uh, that central banks have been buying gold at a clip not seen since the 1960s. And that's, you know, 1968 was in the last time the gold price rigging scandal, you know, fell apart. The the London gold pool fell apart in 1968. By 1971, the U.S. had to uh, essentially default on the agreement that we had post-World War II Bretton Woods agreement. And so we went to a petrodollar system. And uh, I think the East, the Eastern nations are starting to work together. Obviously, the BRICS, we've you've heard headlines for a long time now about Russia, China, India, uh, South Africa, and other nations wanting to join the BRICS. And that's essentially what's happening. You have China starting to slowly but surely admit the fact that they have a lot more gold than um, they, they admit officially. Uh, last few months, they've admitted 30 plus 30 tons every month back to back. I, slowly but surely, that might grow as the bull market continues to go on. I think China will continue to admit more and more as time goes along. And then at some point, they may admit a huge amount uh, when it makes sense for them politically. Uh, but at this time, I don't think they want to do that. They probably want to devalue their yuan and try and get control of their population because their real estate market has pretty much gone to hell. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of factors at play. But when you look at the amount of officially admitted gold buying that's happened in the Eastern world, it's been 
It's been larger than it's happened in 55 years. I mean, that, that, they're not, that's not happening by chance. It's not a coincidence. Something's going on. It's major and it's happening and it's being admitted. Yeah, I think the genie's out of the bottle. And this next chart I'm going to show helps support that notion. And it's this fact that the U.S. Mint in 2022 sold 1.39 million ounces of gold coins, just over 43 metric tons. Now, just to put that in perspective, guys, keep in mind that each ounce cost around 1750 bucks plus a premium over spot. You're talking 18, 1850, $1,900 per coin. Most folks, like I just said, are living paycheck to paycheck or living on credit cards. So I think this is really significant. 1.4 million ounces of gold coins. The demand is there from the consumers that have the means. And I wonder how nervous this makes the powers that ought not be, James. Well, it's not merely the U.S. Mint, too. As well, the Perth Mint admitted that they had a record amount of gold uh, gold coin sales last year, as well, the Austrian Mint. I mean, they I saw pictures from last week uh, at the end of last year of lines coming out of their, their coin uh, facility, of people waiting in line to, to buy gold. And so pretty much every mint around the world, sovereign government mints, has, has enjoyed record sales in gold because the population kind of sees what's happening. I think the population that's awoke and paying attention knows that the CBDC system is coming, uh, that, that that grid is designed to allow to devalue uh, further the currency units. And that's ultimately what, what I think the plans are for the powers that be is to create a grid where they can have CBDC systems intranationally, internationally as well for uh, international settlement of trade. And over time, try and control the amount of inflation and devaluation of the record debts that have been compiling over the last many decades. Uh, ultimately, the CBDC grid is essentially about controlling the, the devaluation of the currency. And that, that's what they're going to do. And they're going to use it as a way to kind of keep the population from revolting and getting in the streets and, and creating revolutions. I think that's ultimately what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a system designed to continue power and, and not to lose power and have revolutions happen within countries. Friends, just a real quick break and a word about our sponsor. Noble Gold Investments wants to let you know that gold was the best investment class for 2022. Now, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results, so do your own due diligence. According to longtermtrends.net, gold actually outperformed the S&P, the Dow, and Bitcoin in 2022. So what are you waiting for? Open a gold IRA or silver IRA with Noble Gold Investments this month and receive a free one quarter ounce American Gold Eagle coin with every qualified IRA of $50,000 or more. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments and their thousands of five-star reviews. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. I think that's very spot on analysis. And, uh, you know, it just really begs the question, why is everything being done so ham handedly? I mean, look at what's going on in Brazil, stealing an election, giving it to Luna. People are revolting in the streets. They're stealing elections around our country. Right. Arizona. Look what happened in Maricopa County. Look what happened in Arizona. They handed this thing to Katie Hobbs, a Soros backed trader. And it's just disgusting and it's waking people up. So. Let me show another chart here. It's one of my favorites. I pulled this from one of your previous reports, James, and it's the New York Overnight Silver Index closed to open, guys. We know they manipulate. I don't even think this is the most current chart. This one says that if you take out that New York open and you just deal with overseas trading, the real fair market value of silver is $290 per ounce. But I think I saw a more recent report from you where that number is closer to 330, James. Yeah, it, this this entire chart that you're looking at right now takes uh, the opening price of silver um, and, and then cuts it off when New York starts trading. And then it, it begins when New York closes and it doesn't shut off that data until New York opens again. And so you can see that basically everything kind of jived in this market up until around the GFC in 2008. And then really during the COVID crisis in 2020, it just ran up a wall. And so what you're looking at now is a situation where the Eastern world is taking advantage, you know, like countries like India have been buying huge amounts of silver at record clips at a, at a discounted price, essentially. I mean, you have the comics that's been suppressing it in terms of uh, last few years, but this isn't going to continue to go along. I mean, you, you're draining the amount of physical that's supposed to be in London, that's supposed to be in comics, and that's been draining at record clips. London is at the lowest level. I think last this past month it did tick up a hair, but that's probably because they told India to go away. 
Uh, I don't know if that's going to continue to last. We'll see. But you have a situation where London is at the lowest level it's ever been, you know, since it's admitted the amount of silver that's supposed to be there since 2016. And comics is the flows that are coming out are at record clips. So you have a situation where people, I think, understand that the spot price of silver has been fake and phony for decades. And they're trying to get as much as they can before eventually, like I said, that violent reaction to the upside finally occurs. Okay, so I'm no trader and I'm no genius when it comes to this stuff. I've never traded futures in my life. But uh, if we understand what's happening with that last chart, mm -hmm. it seems to me the smart money has been doing this to manipulate the price of silver. They short silver at the New York Open. They close their short at, you know, 2.45 p.m. Central Time. And then they go long. Yeah. Rinse and repeat for a decade, yeah. two decades. And how rich have these guys gotten doing that, I wonder? Yeah, I mean, in the last few years, that would have been a killer trade. I mean, from that, that price chart that you just showed, uh, I mean, that would have been, I mean, that would have made your year if you had done that over and over for the last few years. You wouldn't have had to do any other trading in terms of uh, as a hedge fund to perform in 50, 60, 70, 80% up every year. You easily could have done maybe triple digits up per year if you had done that. Yeah, certainly triple digits. I mean, look at that. It's climbing a wall in exponential fashion. Yeah, it's just insane. It looks like the Bitcoin price last year when it went from 3000 to 68000 in a matter of months. Just absolutely right. insane. Well, that's just the it's just the foretelling of what's going to eventually happen to the spot price of silver. I and mean, that's exactly what's going to happen to the spot price of silver in terms of it running up a wall eventually because it's happening already in the eastern world. It's just a matter of time before the western world has to let go of it, and let it go let it run and i think they're going to want to make sure that they have their cbdc grid in place they're going to want to make sure to have the stipends for people so they don't go you know that they're not starving and rioting in the streets and that's basically what they're doing they're buying time until they have that system set up yeah one more chart to share here and it's maybe the most important one of all because the sheeple people have no idea what's coming in terms of bail-ins bank bail-ins bank holidays the FDIC had a conference, a public conference, and you shared some of the information from that conference in here. And basically, they're talking about a bank holiday happening on a Friday. They actually said that several times. There was a female speaking, and she kept saying, preferably on a Friday. And she was talking about those who need to know and what the public would be told, because the FDIC doesn't even have a fraction of the amount of money necessary to guarantee all deposits at all banks. So in the event of a bank holiday, they're going to do a bail-in where your money becomes the bank's money. And good day to you, sir. On Monday, after the Friday bank holiday, you'll just be given the new degraded dollar or central bank digital currency. It'll be a fraction of what you previously owned. I think that might be the strongest case for getting out of the fiat dollars, getting out of the fiat currencies, James, and getting into physical silver and physical gold. Yeah, the uh, the meeting that you're talking about, I mean, they were talking in, in hushed tones, but essentially admitting the fact that a bank bail-in is inevitable in, in various banks. Uh, you know, basically, the banks haven't been clean about what they actually have in terms of assets and liabilities pretty much since the 2008 financial crisis. And anyone who lived through that era and has lived till now kind of understands that they just said time out and papered it over. Uh, but they the, the final second half reckoning hasn't occurred and it's starting to build on that chart. You can see the amount of bad loans that are starting to be admitted. Uh, the amount of bad loans are much larger than that, but slowly but surely they'll admit it. And then at some point they're going to have to try and reset the system and let some of these bad banks go. And that's what they hope to have that CBDC system set up to do. Uh, what you can do about it is don't have more than 250,000 in any FDIC insured bank. Uh, if you have more than that, spread it around amongst banks that have clean balance sheets that don't trade in derivatives, that uh, aren't highly leveraged like a lot of the commercial banks are. Um, and, you know, that's basically your best bet. I mean, the FDIC, they have, I think, 1.5 cents per every dollar that's supposed to be sitting in there uh, in terms of insurance uh, coverage. So what they'll just end up doing is having the U.S. Treasury and the Fed uh, just print money out of thin air and that's how they'll that's how they'll pay back uh some of the some of the people who lose money that have under two hundred fifty thousand. but think about all of the amount of you know businesses and various other corporations that have funds sitting in banks over two hundred fifty thousand. how are they going to be you know how are they going to handle their business operations day to day if that something like that occurs i mean it's going to be a real problem and yeah, if you have over 250,000, what ends up happening is you, you lose that those funds and they'll just give you shares in some 
in some bank that probably takes over that ends up buying it out and uh, you'll get some diluted equity shares and whatever, whatever new conglomerate buys out the bank. And that, you know, there's absolutely no way in that type of life, in that type of economy that, that, that those equity shares will be anywhere near worth what you lost. So uh, bank bail-ins are a real threat and I think they're coming. And so it's just a matter of making sure that you're not caught in the, in the, in the crossfire. Yeah, I want to show just a couple more things before we uh, wrap this up here. The funny money printing machines, right? The Federal Reserve, 1913, Jekyll Island, under the watch of Woodrow Wilson. Did you ever dream, could have anyone ever dreamt that they would keep this thing stitched together from then until now? And now we're sitting at $31.5 trillion in debt. James, it wasn't that long ago you and I were having conversations and the national debt clock was at $20 trillion. I mean, yeah. where does this end and how does this end and when does this end? Because it's awfully darn long in the tooth. Yeah, I think when we started our, our relationship, Sean, and we started talking when I was working in the industry in the beginning, it was like a nine trillion. I mean, that's how <laughs> I mean, that and we're talking like in the early decade ago. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. Even that long ago. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just ballooned. What do you think is going to continue happening? I mean, 31 trillion, that's just the hard federal debt number. I mean, the amount of unfunded liabilities, the Medicare, the Social Security, all the other pensions uh, that are coming due this decade into the next, it, it depends on how you estimate it, but it's anywhere from 100 to 200 trillion or even more, depending on who's giving the estimation. And this has been estimated by professors. Uh, Prof Professor Kaldikoff, I believe, is the one the last time I saw him make an estimate, it was 210 trillion. Uh, and so, yeah, I, the government doesn't, they didn't save that. The, the currency for that. They, they, they save nothing for that. So it's basically spin as they go. And so how are they going to pay that off? They're going to devalue the currency. That, that's what they're going to do because they're not going to default outright. They're going to default in an easier fashion that most governments eventually do. And that's by devaluing the currency in terms of real purchasing power. And so, yeah, nominally they may pay off what they promised, but it doesn't mean in real terms, you're going to get anything that you might've thought you would have gotten. So anyone who's depending on a pension, looking out 10, 20 years from now, you better think twice in terms of, you know, how much you're, you're counting on that pension to buy you in terms of real goods and services 10, 20 years from now. Uh, you need to have hard assets. You need to have things that are going to last and that are proven to work when, you know, the fiat currencies go to ruin. And that, that's ultimately where we're headed. And so having real things, real tangible, but things of value, having real estate, having things that always are going to keep value and, and be worth something makes a lot of sense in the environment that we're moving in. Yeah. And one more thing I wanted to show on that uh, U.S. debt clock chart. I'm not sure how they calculate this, but it doesn't surprise me a bit, not one bit, because, you know, when I was doing Silver Secret videos a decade ago, I was quoting really smart folks saying that the paper to gold ratio that, mm -hmm. At that point, the paper to gold ratio at that point was 100 to 1. Well, mm -hmm. the U.S. debt clock is indicating a paper silver to physical silver ratio now is 417 paper ounces for every one ounce. Do you think that's even possibly true? I mean, I guess so. 31 trillion in debt, all the smoke and mirrors they do at the COMAX. I mean, just shenanigans wherever we look. I wonder what the uh, real paper to silver ratio is. Yeah, if you actually do the, I mean, this was admitted in Bloomberg in 2014. Uh, I, I think the amount, the amount that they said the silver market was worth was like five trillion annually. And that they, what they were doing was they were adding up all the nominal trading, what it was worth over a year, five trillion versus a, a market that has a billion ounces and a spot price around 20 at the time. So 20 billion in physical per year, and and they have a five trillion uh, notional trading market. I mean, that's how much leverage is required to suppress it and keep the price contained and keep it in control. And so, yes, the amount of derivatives that get traded, you know, year in, year out versus the amount of physical that's actually moving in terms of physical that's coming new line to the market or physical that's being traded secondary in the market. Uh, it's just, it dwarfs it. And, and silver, it's it's multiple, multiple hundreds to one. And I think that number is probably correct. It's probably 500 to one and gold is closer to 100 to one. Uh, and that that's admitted by, I mean, the Central Bank of, of India admitted that like four or five years ago that the gold market has a leverage of like 90 to one. So, uh, you know, that's the biggest consumer of gold and physical gold in the world. And that's their central bank admitting the fact that the leverage is, is, is ridiculous. So uh, you know, ultimately that's going to devolve. And when that devolves, that, that's what drives the spot price up a wall and into a place that people probably thought it could never go and that it never would go. And it would always stay in some suppressed artificial fake market. But ultimately, you know, we're going to go back toward a, a, 
a situation where you have people losing total confidence in, in the currencies, the fiat currencies storing any value. And if you have a situation like that, that means the things that actually do store value when that's happening are going to run up walls in terms of valuation. And so I'm waiting for that. I've been waiting that, for that 12 years now, and I've been placing my bets on that. And, and I'm going to continue doing that because I, I see this as inevitable. I see it as something that's just a matter of patience and time. And, uh, and, and my hope is that other people have listened and, and taken advantage and, and done it with, with the time expectation that's reasonable because it's not happening tomorrow, but it's certainly mathematically something that's going to happen in the next decade or two. You know, when I mentioned smart people talking about the 100 to 1 paper ratio of these uh, metals, I was not referring to Jeff Christian, but famously we have that testimony from Jeff Christian, I think in 2010 at the CFTC when he said, mm -hmm. These things trade gold and silver trade 100 to one, the underlying physical. And he let the cat out of the bag. And I don't know if he realized it at the time. The guy's so filled with hubris. He was probably just talking his book, being a big shot. But he let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. 100 to one, the underlying physical from Jeff Christian himself. And that was 13 years ago, James. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a very interesting uh, moment in time. And that was back in the investigation in 2010, 2011, and whether or not there was a, you know, price manipulation in the gold and silver markets. And there certainly was, and it's come out of late that yes, all these banks have been manipulating the prices of, of gold and silver for, for decades running. And so, you know, you have huge amounts of fines that they've paid and it's only been pennies on the dollar that they've taken and extrapolated out from the market and taken advantage of people who are long for the right reasons, people who are long silver and gold, because fundamentally they, they should have been driving up walls in terms of valuation to now, but it just hasn't happened yet. But I, I think ultimately that the stackers in the world are starting to move in, in high enough volume that it's going to become a real problem because once you run out of enough physical that, that's that's commingled amongst those vaults, you'll, you'll get to a situation where there just won't be enough around and there's going to be a, a huge tidal wave of capital that's going to come because once you have spot price moving up, what ends up happening is you get greedy people coming in too who leverage up on the COMEX and you have a greedy pack of longs who will come in and they'll start driving up the price up an exponential wall. And that ultimately is where I think it goes. The COMEX I don't think ever fails. I think the COMEX is the driver that makes the price go higher because of leverage. And there, there's going to be long vetters who are going to come in and make, make killings, make careers out of it. And you're going to see essentially what we saw in the late 70s or what we saw after the U.S. Civil War where the, the, the bad debts or the greenback or what have you get written off. And the way to do that is by having a huge, huge move in gold and silver. And it's just a matter of time and, and patience, I suppose. So place your bets, but do it without time decay. Do it with patience and with the long, long view in, in, in your betting. So, yeah. well, since we took that walk down memory lane and mentioned Jeff Christian 2010, you know, we really felt at that point that we were on top of the biggest story in the world and everybody needed to know how manipulated silver was. And I think at that point, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Bart Chilton who was the head of the CFTC. And I think he might've been a decent guy, certainly a lot better guy than Gary Gensler, who then took over. Gary Gensler did nothing to rein in JP Morgan or any of these manipulators of precious metals. But of course, why would he? He's a former Goldman Sachs guy. But here's my question. What are your thoughts on Gary Gensler, who's now the head of the SEC, and he's knee deep in this corruption, this relationship with FTX. He rolled out the red carpet for FTX. And by the way, the guy refuses to approve a Bitcoin spot ETF, but he was eager to approve a Bitcoin futures ETF. And he says he doesn't want to approve a Bitcoin spot ETF, one that actually trades in and settles in physical Bitcoin, in actual Bitcoin, because he's trying to protect the little guy. He's trying to protect the consumer. Uh, give me a break. The guy's as yeah, corrupt as can be. Gensler was there the day that uh, Jeff Christian did the 100 to 1. I think he was in charge of that committee that was doing the investigation on whether or not there was any gold or silver manipulation. And, you know, of course, they found no, no, no issues at all until about, oh, eight years later, <laughs> when you had a RICO case get slammed on J.P. Morgan's head that basically fined them for almost a billion. And, and you know that J.P. Morgan probably made multiple, you know, probably more than 10 billion doing all that rigging over the last few decades. So, yeah, I mean, Gary Gensler is he's an empty suit. I mean, what do you expect? He's he's part of the power paradigm I and mean, he's going to do what's in the best interest of the U.S. Treasury and in, in terms of keeping control and keeping the system, you know, keeping it looking as if everything's you know on the up and up. But Gary Gensler has a long track record of being a loser and someone who is a liar who basically doesn't do his job that he's charged with and ends up being someone that uh, is a terrible regulator and does the opposite of what he purports to do. 
so yeah, I mean, uh, Gary Gensler's not someone I would ever trust. And, you know, I, I just, uh, I feel bad for people who ever thought that guy was, uh, you know, uh, an up and up regulator because he's not been, he's been a failure in every, virtually every, every agency that he's been regulating in. Yeah. Well, a corrupt federal government, of course, that's what we're going to get is corrupt officials at the FDA, at the CFTC, et cetera. So I just want to show a couple of things here and get your opinion. I think this is a great buy. Silver Britannias, I think these are beautiful coins. I own a bunch, $2.99 over spot. I also love the poured kilo bars. You want to have a chest full of pirate's booty, guys? Stack those kilo bars. They're just gorgeous. But in addition to that, I like the silver Cougarans. I think they're wonderful, and they might even be a little cheaper than this over spot. What do you suggest people do? Do you like to just, I don't like the generic coins. I know you can get them for like a buck, buck and a half over spot. I'd rather pay a little bit more and get a beautiful government issued coin. Now the mm -hmm. silver Eagles, what are they at today? 10 bucks over spot. That's a little they're too much for my blood. Yeah, what would you, what would you recommend people stack? I would, I would try and stay somewhat reasonably within the spot price. I mean, those Britannias at, at as low as two ninety nine over spot are reasonable uh, considering that, you have, you know, Silver Eagles being sold for $10 or more over spot. Uh, you also have, like you said, Silver Krugerrands are a nice government mint coin. And I agree. I think I think you want to have a mix. I don't think you want to go all in on one thing. But having sovereign silver and coins, uh, I think, makes sense because the amounts that you'll end up getting when you go to sell, if you ever want to sell them, uh, the, the bid price, the amount that you're actually offered is going to be a little bit higher than you'd get on just generic rounds. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, for instance, for the Silver Eagle in this past year, there was huge arbitrage plays that someone who was a Silver Eagle stacker who bought them when they were reasonable premiums and like they got down to like 220 over spot, you know, at the end of the 2019 roughly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, buying cases at that point made sense. But once they get the 1299 over spot, it doesn't make much sense. That's basically a collectible price. Uh, but, but you had the arbitrage opportunity. You could sell them and then take that that currency that you got for that and then buy generic bars or buy a lower priced sovereign government coin. And so I took advantage of that and, you know, was able to increase, you know, I, I had a case of 500 uh, silver eagles and could flip it and turn it into 700 ounces of uh, silver bars. So, you know, doing that made a lot of sense because essentially you're adding 40 percent of your ounce uh, holdings by simply making an arbitrage out of it. So there's a there's a reason to have sovereign government coins. I think it's because when you go to sell them, people understand, they look at it, they trust it. It's a, for instance, the Britannia or the, or the Krugerrand. I mean, people trust government coins over just some random silver round that they maybe don't understand or, or trust. So uh, a mix of it all makes sense, but don't get crazy in terms of the amount that you're paying over spot. I think, you know, $3 over spot's reasonable, but I wouldn't go beyond five for anything, even if it's something that you really like, like or you want to collect. Uh, if you're trying to get as many ounces as you can for your fiat currency, stick as close as you can to the spot price when you're buying. So that way you can get more ounces for your fiat currencies. Just one more aside here. I had Tyler, the CEO, on a private call the other day. We were chatting about something and uh, he said, uh, because people should know this, SD bullion will buy silver back from people. So when people say, oh, if I buy all this silver, what am I going to do with it? Well, number one, you're going to protect the future for you and your progeny, if and when a collapse comes, if and when they roll out CBDCs, etc. But if you need to sell it in a pinch, you can always sell it back to the place you bought it from, in this case, SD Bullion. And Tyler was saying that when uh, American Silver Eagle premiums were like, how high did they go? I think he said 14, 15, 16 bucks. They were buying back people's Silver Eagles for eight, nine over spot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's your arbitrage play right there. Of course. Yeah. I mean, if you go to this Bullion, if you go to our homepage, you'll see, you know, sell. Uh, and so you can sell to us as well. And it's not that difficult. You simply call up one of our agents and offer what you're trying to sell and they'll give you a bid price. And if you like the price then you can lock it in that moment and then you ship it off to our distribution facility. And once it's settled and, and we confirm it's the authentic thing that you said it was, uh, then you get a bank wire or a check sent to you, et cetera. So it's a it's a pretty easy process and it doesn't take all that long. You get your funds probably within about a week or so um, in terms of having to ship it to our distribution center, having us look at it, authenticate it, and then send you off the funds. You're talking about of maybe two weeks tops. If the mail's moving slowly, uh, you'd have your funds back. So, uh, and like I said, you lock it in on the phone. So the price doesn't change. So it's, it's settled that, that moment when you sell it to us. So yeah, I mean, we offer a two-way market. That's what any dealer has to do. And so, yes, 
obviously you can buy from us and you can sell to us as well. All right, guys. And uh, if you want to put the pinch on SD bullion, let me give you a little inside baseball secret here. You want to make these guys suffer a little bit. Free shipping on orders over $199. So imagine if you buy two monster boxes of silver, you do the math on what FedEx would charge to ship that. I bet it's not cheap. Do I have that right, though? Free shipping on orders over 200 bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got that correct. Yep. Not sure how you guys do that. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> three boxes of silver. I wonder what three boxes of uh, silver eagles, monster boxes, what's that way? Yeah, when it's fully packed, it's probably about 45 to 50 pounds per, per parcel. So it's not cheap to ship that off and have it fully insured and, and guaranteed the whole way where it's headed. So, uh, But we'll eat that cost and infuse it into our prices that we charge and and, and try and uh, maintain our market share and grow beyond that number, that number three level that we had talked about and hopefully become number one eventually as time goes on. Yeah. All right. I love speaking with you. Uh, you're a great guy. We've known each other for a long time and I really love your weekly updates. Remind people how they can find those. You're still on YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, if you go to YouTube and just search SD Bullion, you'll find our channel. And on a weekly basis, I'm pretty consistent with it. Uh, Friday evenings, typically, I, I do a weekly recap of the most important news that pertains to gold and silver. It's not necessarily gold and silver um, all. Some of it could be about other things in the financial markets, but eventually, it, ultimately, it's like a small recap that runs about 10 to 15 minutes. So I, I try and be respective of people's time and try and condense it down to the most important uh, information and, and charts and data. So you can kind of keep along with the silver and gold markets without having to spend too much time doing so. Uh, so yeah, every Friday evening I do that and you can find us on YouTube, SD Bullion. All right. And guys, I'll leave the link below to SD Bullion. They've been a sponsor of SGT Report. We've had a very long-term relationship. Great guys over there. So shout out to Tyler, the CEO, and our guest has been James Anderson. James, thanks so much. Thanks, Sean. It was good to be with you. You too. And friends, thanks so much for tuning in. As always, a special thanks to our subscribe stars. And I'll remind you guys for free every single day, visit us directly at sgtreport.com. That's the real news, the antidote to corporate propaganda and mockingbird mainstream media lies. God bless you and yours, friends. Bye-bye. Trading evil for good and good for evil, uh, framing injustice by statute, calling conspiracies conspiracy. These, this is all in the Bible. Um, but it still is so hard to have a government that is so lawless, 